welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. Uh, We're so excited today. We have our most uh, returning visit <laughs> guest here. Uh, you have the record, oh, wow. Nina Weinman. Yes, now you have been on our show five times. So, oh my you... gosh, do I get a set of steak knives for that? <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> I'll invest in that. <laughs> you and Catherine Disher hold the record. <laughs> for, for most times I on am the podcast. honored. Yeah. Completely honored. <laughs> so you, you, you should write, write her into your next, uh, into your next movie. <laughs> I would love to. I think she's hilarious yeah. and a hoot and I would love her in one of my movies. <laughs> yeah. She's the best. We love her too. So yeah, we're so excited to have you back on. And, and we had, we thought about having you earlier. Cause of course you had three movies this Christmas, which is amazing. Um, but it just was such a busy time, but I kind yeah. of like this because now we can kind of look back in retrospective of the season and, uh, and sort of talk about it. And uh, so I hope you had a good, uh, good holiday season. I did. I did. It was, um, it was a really fun Christmas for me. It's like for, for well, I had two on and yeah. um, Christmas at Dollywood and double holiday. And they were both really fun projects and I had a blast making them and creating them. And then the response has been just so overwhelmingly positive to both that that's yeah. also been really fun. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. It's, um, uh, it was Julie that had three. I don't know why I was thinking that. Yes, yeah. Julie had three. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, we're, two. Kind of, we're kind of the same person, Julie and I. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are each other's shoulder in this, yeah. in this crazy world of being writers. We yeah. were really close. And so and we help each other through. You, you both did great work. So it's perfect. Oh, and yeah, I, I enjoyed both of your guys, uh, your films this year. And, uh, and so, uh, but let's talk about the, the last bridesmaid first, because the, the okay. last time we talked with you was before that aired. And oh, okay. uh, yeah. And so how did you feel about how that all turned out? I was so, so excited about that movie that like, aside from the fact that it was a really fun movie to write and, and to, to I loved the storyline of it so much. And it's, you know, I felt super relatable to people uh-huh. who are like, everybody's trying to marry you. Oh my gosh, you're in your thirties and you're not married. What's wrong with you? You know? So that, that was like, I thought really fun and really relatable. But the best thing about this movie is, was really getting to make it with such good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. It was from beginning to end, so much fun. You know, Rachel and I are really close. We sold this movie together two years ago at the same time we sold um, Love at First Dance. And she was always going to be in one of them. And this was the one that really resonated with her because it's got a lot of her own life in it and her own experiences. So, um, we've been working on this, you know, now for, for a couple of years. And then to, I put Paul Campbell's name in the mix and I, and, and he and I are really good friends. Our families are good friends. And it was just so such the dream team to do it with Muse with Joel Rice and Scott Clayton from Muse, who we have such strong relationships with and we love working with them. This was my dream team. I mean, mm-hmm. every movie, I feel like I said that about every movie. Oh, this is my dream team. This is my dream team. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, and it's, and it's always true. I'm so lucky that I get to do this for a living with these awesome people. Yeah. I feel really, really lucky. Um, and I am thankful every day for this job 
but that movie was, it was like camp, you know, going to work every day with my best friends. It was really fun. Yeah. So you had met Rachel for when they were filming Stop the Wedding. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I went up to, I went up to Vancouver to the set of Stop the Wedding and met her and we just hit it off instantly and one night after filming went out and had drinks and talked for hours and had this heart to heart and then just became friends ever since and yeah we've now we've now sold i think four movies together and we'll be making another one together in the upcoming year and Mm -hmm. i don't know how much i'm allowed to say because it's that's okay. It hasn't been announced yet, but I think the audience is going to be very, very excited about it. I am. And yeah. I have to actually finish it as soon as I get off the phone with you. Oh my I have gosh, to finish the script. Great. So, <laughs> I have about 20 more pages and then it's done. Uh-huh. But, um, but I'm really excited about that. We have a great working relationship and we get along really well and we have the same sensibility as far as story. Uh-huh. So it's it's been a good it's been a really good working relationship for us. Yeah. And How do you friendship. come up with with your ideas when you because was the last bridesmaid was that fully your idea or was that uh, when they gave so we the com- commissioned? No, that was like Rachel and I and Joel Rice. We were like, okay, oh, we're yeah. gonna do. We want to sell a wedding movie. We want to do a wedding movie together, and. So we'd come up together. We, we'd come up with the title, The Last Bridesmaid. I had a lot of ideas about it. Rachel went off to her brother's wedding and everybody was like, you're next, you're next. When are you going to get married? You're so pretty, you know? And so it was like, right. we were able to pull, it was, it was, we were able to pull from her life, pull from my experience. It was very much a collaboration. Um, and then wedding dance, we, um, or Love at First Dance, it was called Wedding Dance when we sold it. Um, we pitched the two, hoping for the hoping they'd buy one. They ended up buying both of them. We were like, well, that's, you know, good problem to have. Now we have to yeah. buy two. Now we have to do two. But um, so for those two, it, it's, it's always different how you come up with the ideas. Like that one was really close to Rachel's life, really close to my experience before I was married. And... Um, so that, that's how those happen. But there are a few that I'm working on that are books that a producer will bring to me and mm. say, I have the rights to this book. We want to adapt it. Do you want to do the project? Or we've already sold this, this movie. I have one that the producer said, we sold this concept, but we don't really have a story. Do you want to write it? So I came up with the story and wrote the script and we're waiting for them to read it and weigh in. It's all different avenues. And then sometimes I'll just... I'll come up with an idea and I'll go, Oh, this is an interesting idea. And I'll write up like a little paragraph, extended paragraph and I'll send it to one of the executives and they'll either buy it. The Hallmark will either buy it or they'll pass on it and we move on to the next. So I was wondering if the whole plot line with uh, Paul Campbell being a a documentarian and having this documentary that he, uh, he was, uh, working on, but kind of needed that push to actually present it. And then he gets mad at her mm-hmm. uh, for, for showing it to her uncle. Uh, is that something that you can kind of relate to as far as like not feeling like your, your work is really like finished and, and just sort of maybe having a, the insecurity kind of about like showing, obviously you have to, cause it's your job, but 
but you still feel sort of that like, yeah, oh, it's not perfect yet. Don't look whenever, at it yet. Kind of. Whenever you're a creative, you know, if being if being an artist of any type and being a creative, you always have that little seed of doubt where you go, is it ready? Is it good enough? And mm-hmm. the thing that that nothing is ever done, you just stop writing. You know, it's like at some point you have to you have to stop and go, okay, I'm very proud of this and I won't turn something in if I don't feel proud that my name is on it. Mm-hmm. But there you know, I think in the movie he was a little more motivated by fear because he'd he'd been shot down before and he he had he says you know I have a script or that I or a movie that I showed people before it was ready and it's sitting in a drawer in my apartment yeah. and everybody has one of those too and I think that one of the biggest things about being a, a creative is the old saying you know feel the fear and do it anyway right. like you have to be willing to put yourself out there and if you're not then you're never going to make it mm-hmm. because it's always going to be scary and. And there are times where I feel like I turn in a script that I go, I can't imagine what they're going to find that's wrong with this. I think this is so good. I see the movie. It's so good. And then I get back a thousand notes and I go, oh, okay. Yeah, we can make it better, you know? <laughs> so it's, there, there's, always, there's always that little tidbit of self-doubt that you have, but you have to move through it and understand that everything is a work in progress. Mm. And you'll get it there. You get it to the point where where you shoot it and it's ready. And and also at that point, once you have actors on board and once once it beca- it like I say it becomes alive, then you see other changes that can be made and other things where you go, oh, I, this actor is really good at doing this. So let's let's give him a few more moments where he has that funny self-deprecating side or whatever you know so it's a, in in this business it's always like a living breathing document a living breathing project that is constantly changing yeah. and you have to be willing to go with it did you ever have one one uh, thing that you were that you really had to kind of i gotta fight for this 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 don't change this this is this is good i know it's good kind of a thing and, and um you, I don't fight often because um, um, it, it has to be something that I really, really believe in. I mean, every every script, there's a line or a joke or something that I love that they go, oh, it's too much, cut it. And then I'll put it on this document and I go, okay, that's a good joke. I'm going to use that somewhere else, somewhere down the line. Like uh-huh. I have a document of cut lines that I loved. And, um, and, and yes, that that happens, but I don't for the most part Hallmark knows their brand and they know what works and they know what they want. And I only fight if it's something that I feel so strongly about. I don't throw myself on the sword for like arbitrary things, but I had a producer say to me once I fought for something, I can't even remember what it was. I said, I feel really, really strongly about this. I think it's a mistake to lose this. I think we need this in here. And she said to me, you know, that this, the network doesn't want to do that or something. And then she called me back later and she goes, you know what? You don't fight often. So I felt like this is something I really need to look at. And 
so then she went back to them and whatever it was, it was at Love at Sea. It was on Love at Sea, and I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was, they said, okay, you guys can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it just it has to be re- – I think a lot of time people fight because they just don't want to do the work. There's mm-hmm. always a lot of notes. There's always a lot of rewrites, and sometimes it can be frustrating, yeah. but – I think sometimes people just get lazy and they don't want to do the work. And so they fight it and they, they fight the dumb things. Mm-hmm. I don't fight the dumb things. You know, yeah, the, you not the dumb things, skin, the little things. I think, to, you to do. You do. I mean, and, and in any, in any creative endeavor, when you put yourself out there, you go this, okay, it's not personal. And it, it, you can't take it personally, even though it's, your work or yourself. And I think probably for actors, it's even harder because it really is them that they're putting out there. Yeah. That when people say things about them, that's, that's the direct personal affront and you have to put, the, you have to develop this armor and just don't let it penetrate and go, okay, the bad things that people say about me, it says a lot more about the messenger than it does about my work. And I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. It definitely must be a, a humbling experience. Like you can't, you have to let your pride go, I would think, in some kind yeah, of situation like this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. In a lot of, in a lot of instances, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but it's and, a, also a great job. And, yeah. and I'm lucky that I get to do this. I wanted to do this for 10 years and was trying and trying and trying and now I get to do it. So yeah. why am I going to fight the little stuff? Right. I'm so yeah. lucky that I get to do this. It's not worth it. It's not worth yeah. getting myself all in a kerfuffle about something that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 That's a good lesson. That's a good lesson. I, I, and I liked in last bridesmaid, I, I just thought that the conflict was very uh, easy to relate to. And uh, that uh, I thought that uh, her kind of conflict with her parents and uh, trying to decide what to do as far as whether she should pursue these necklaces, uh, making jewelry, or whether she should try to do both, or be to run this insurance thing. And I, I, I don't know. I felt like that was a pretty easy to relate to kind of scenario, and and that helped. Yeah, a lot. it's yeah. always about like what are the expectations that are put on you, and at what point you know what point do you take care of yourself instead of putting other people's feelings first, you know, she didn't want to disappoint her parents. So she wasn't being true to herself in that sense. And I really did love how the two of them, and I thought they had such great chemistry with each other too, how the two of them inspired the other to follow, follow your dreams. And so that's, it's, I think it's relatable to everybody. You want somebody who lifts you up. You want to be with a partner who sees what you have to offer the world and inspires you to do that. Well, we were, we did. And they were so cute together. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> we did get some laughs on the podcast about that. They should submit this wedding video to Sundance. It's going to be so long by the time they're finished. And it could be <laughs> a really like Sundancey documentary name, like a, a, a the 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 trials of american marriage or just like yeah. the, the, <laughs> the modern wedding uh wedding infrastructure revealed or just something like that <laughs> i had a line in the movie that got cut and i don't remember if it got cut in production or if it got cut in the script um at the script but 
at one point, Kyle's, uh, Paul's character, Kyle, says, um, this this wedding video is going to be five hours long or something like that. Really <laughs> like, I'm like, this is a very, very intense uh, comprehensive wedding, <laughs> wedding video. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> I mean, can't you just see it but at how Sundance? How else was I going to have them in her, in her life all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. The American wedding. <laughs> Sundance Film Also, I, I feel like very very wealthy father was paying a lot of money for this video yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> that was good i liked that that was funny <laughs> yeah so so you know what if the guy's paying kyle's gonna show up with his camera <laughs> that's right <laughs> you gotta get the the whole this whole scene the whole scenario that was like the the platinum package yeah <laughs> the platinum right. wedding videography package <laughs> i will literally film you 24 7 that's a reality show for your wedding video <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's good uh so now you have made uh almost more maybe i think more uh non-christmas movies than christmas movies or certainly it's about equal um you made a lot of non-christmas movies yeah and as so what do you think are the pros and cons of both? And do you enjoy one over the other or equal? I, uh, so I love all of it. I think that um, I, for some reason, the wedding movies, I just do like one every year. And I really love writing wedding movies. And I have another one for, I have two. One will probably air next year and one will be the year after. Um, that I have in development right now. I have two uh, Christmas movies for next year that I'll be starting after the first of the year. Um, and I think the thing about Christmas is there's we've done everything there is to do as far as Christmas activities. And they want, we always get the note, more Christmas, more Christmas, more Christmas activities. They They should be having this conversation while they're doing something Christmassy. And the hard thing is, to make that fresh because we've had the ice skating and we've had the snowball fights and we've had the snowmen and trying to find a new fresh way to, to, to show Christmas. It's really hard. And they have, sorry. And they have, um, they, would like to keep things very grounded in reality. So there's not a lot of like Santa's, you know, kid or or things like that. Everything is, is very, um, it's very grounded in reality now. And so it is hard to come up with new ideas. And that's why a lot of these Christmas in Rome, Christmas at Dollywood, Christmas is finding a way to tell a love story in a new location in a fun, exciting place. And one of the great things about Dollywood was their um, Smoky Mountain Christmas celebration is just beyond. It is incredible. We were there for the first day that they opened um, Smoky Mountain Christmas. And it's stunning, this place. I mean, like, like 40 million lights or something they put up around there. It is, it is really gorgeous. So getting to film there was very spectacular. There's a lot more freedom with the other seasons of the year. Yeah. You're not as more Christmas, more Christmas, more Christmas. You know, you get to branch out a little more 
on the other seasons because they're not as specific. Yeah, that makes Christmas. sense to me. Uh, we we were we had a, some good laughs about uh, in uh, in Julie's uh, movie, The Christmas Club, about her ho 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 hot dogs, and, and, <laughs> uh, and we were like, so what what you know, just coming up with all different variations of what would have to be included in a ho ho hot dog, and right, like, <laughs> and but yeah, it must be hard to come up with ideas. I mean, how different ways can you? Can you do Christmas? I mean, how many ways right. can you make it hot is cocoa? Hard. <laughs> it's hard. Or baking yeah. Christmas cookies or baking, you know, pies or whatever you do. It's always, it's hard to come up with the new ideas for Christmas. And somehow it, 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 you know, it ends up working, even if it's something that maybe we've seen already or, you know, get the, the Christmas festival or, you know, there's just, so I can't tell you how many Google searches I've done for unique Christmas event or something like that to try and yeah. find something a little bit different. Right. And that's what we did last year in Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. They had this Christmas tree auction, which I had never seen in a movie before. And I was like, oh, these go for like a lot of money. People auction, auction off these Christmas trees. And they're like, you know, the balsam hill trees that you use year after year after year um, that they're fake and they come with all the ornaments and everything. And so it's something, it's not like, it's not like you auction, you buy this tree at an auction and then it dies in six weeks. It's something that people use over and over again, but this, it's hard to find something new that we haven't already seen. Yeah. So then it really comes down to the characters. Who are these people? What are their points of view? And how do I, how do I make this a little bit different? Yeah. How do I tell the story a little different than we've seen it before? Yeah, they have something like that here in Utah called the Festival of Trees. And a lot of them are very themed, like you have like a Barbie tree or something like that, and our Harry Potter tree. And people do them, and then all the proceeds get uh, donated to uh, the primary children's hospital uh, for uh, the, that's, that's anybody can get, tra- any child can get treated at primary children's. And, uh, so, uh, that, that's a big event here in Utah, but yeah, I mean, it would, awesome. be, it would be, it would be really, really hard to, to keep thinking of ideas. And, um, and, and really, I mean, all of that is just kind of the framework. It's just kind of the padding of what makes the movie work or not work, which comes down to the dialogue and to the chemistry of the, uh, of the stars, because, I've right. seen movies that that I wanted to really like so much because the the framework, the story, everything, but I just didn't. I didn't have the chemistry for me. For instance, for me, I didn't really like Christmas at the Plaza, and that had all of the ingredients of a good movie. Like I, I had no problems mm-hmm. with the story. I just didn't think the two had chemistry, and that's just my opinion. Um, and so that hurt the whole movie for me. Um, whereas other movies, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, wow, this is a stretch, this story. This is not the best plot. But if I'm really liking the actors and the witty banter is witty enough, then I can, I can put up with a lot of silly, <laughs> of a silly story. And I think that's the thing with these Hallmark movies is you know what's going to happen. Nobody, it's not like, and then he died. Like, right. but you know that's <laughs> never going to happen in these movies. You know where it's going there, there's not a whole lot of 
Wow, I didn't see that coming. I mean, it's they, there is a formula that we follow. So it really does so often come down to the chemistry between the leads mm-hmm. and um, and how they interact with each other. Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, and so it is mentioned- like the old Hollywood studio system where it's like, yeah. oh well, let's put Douglas Fairbanks with you know <laughs> yeah. Dean Harlow in this one. Like it's kind of like that where it's like, oh, Brennan Elliott, who hasn't he worked with? Maggie Lawson, you know, like <laughs> yeah. just like say it's it's, 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 it's the the staple of actors. I know that they're trying to they they want to branch out and see some new faces too, but the audience has really grown to love and expect all of the usual suspects in their movies every season. Yeah. Specifically at Christmas. It's true. Uh, So you already mentioned Christmas at Dollywood. So, uh, so Mm -hmm. this movie uh, did, well, first of all, you, you were, were you presented with this one? I'm assuming it wasn't just like your idea to, to do Dollywood. So this one came about because, um, Danica McKellar writes children's books. Uh-huh. And one of her books was chosen, um, like two years ago, was chosen by um, Dolly's Imagination Library. Uh-huh. And this is a charity that Dolly has donated over 100 million books to like underprivileged kids all over the world. And so she'll pick a children's book. And I think it's usually for preschool age. She'll pick a children's book. She'll, her charity will buy thousands of copies from the publisher and then she'll distribute them to um, to these un- underprivileged children who don't otherwise wouldn't otherwise get books. And so she, it's a really incredible organization. Danica's book, Goodnight Numbers, was selected, and so she was invited along with Imagination Library to go read um, her book at the Library of Congress. So she was there with the Imagination Library people, and was like, you know, they were talking about Dolly. Dolly wasn't there and talking about Dolly and her and everything that she does. And then like a week later, she was having lunch with Michelle Vickery, who's the head of programming at Hallmark. Mm -hmm. And Michelle was like, we just need to think of some new locations and new, exciting, fun places, things we haven't seen in our Christmas movies. And Danica said, well, what about Dollywood? And Michelle was like, Absolutely. She's, and Danica said, Brilliant. well, should I get like a writer? Should I get a producer? What should I do? And Michelle's like, put all the, yeah, get everybody, get everybody involved and then, um, and come up with a story. So she called me, she called Alan Ett, who's our producer. And we all did uh, coming home for Christmas together. Mm-hmm. So we'd all worked together before and we sat down and we came up with a couple of ideas and, and the, and we did not have the Dollywood people on board yet. Alan had some relationships with a few people, but we did not have them on board. But because of Danica's connection with Imagination Library, and we, we figured it, we, could, we could make it happen. And also, they had done, Home and Family had done like a week at Dollywood a couple of years ago. So Hallmark did have already a pre-existing relationship with the Dollywood people, and the brands have a very good, synergy with each other mm-hmm. so we went in we pitched it they bought it in the room Danica Allen and I pitched it bought it in the room and then um we had to get Dollywood on board <laughs> and they made it happen 
And so, then Danica was asked to um, narrate a documentary about Dolly in her imagination library. So mm, that's cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dolly's the best. Uh, but did the movie change a lot? Amazing. Because the summary yes. that we originally had was quite different than what was a Broadway had. producer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and nothing so about what, the book at all. So what happened was we were, um, we were trying to fit the story of Dollywood has a person that they hire every year to work on their shows. So we were trying to make her that. And what we were finding was it just wasn't, it wasn't working. We went through a couple of drafts. It wasn't working. We didn't have time. What we were having her do was create a show and we didn't have time to create a new show that was going to be for Dollywood. So then we had to change it. And, and the press releases had already gone out. We, it was really hard to have her come in and either change the show or revise the shows because we were going to be filming the existing shows at Dollywood. And then we're, we were like, does she create that show? You know, it was just so hard to make it work. And so then we were like, well, it's the th- it was always going to be, you know, the 30th anniversary of, um, Smoky Mountain Christmas. So we can, we were we were struggling so much. I had gone through about three drafts of the script and we were like, it is not working. And so I got on the phone with our network executive and I and we were started talking and we were like, it's it, it's got to be the event and not the show. And then what we did was we turned the event into a show with the existing stuff in the part it was just I don't know if that's making a whole lot of sense but it was so hard to make it work that once we finally made her an event planner who was coming in to do this Mm -hmm. it all seemed to fall into place and the press releases had all gone out already (laughs) we were like okay well well She's no longer a Broadway, a Broadway director, but anyway, and the, and the press releases said she was a director. It just, it was not, you know, sometimes you find that when you come up with it in story form, it seems like it works. And then when you try to execute it and you try to put it into actual scenes, it does not work. And then that you makes just change sense. course. And so you turned it more into, she's sort of planning the parade more and the, and there's some kind of dinner involved. And that we, that instead of it being a party, she took all the different elements of the park and made it this big event. She made, you know, the show and had, and we always knew that we only had a little bit of time with Dolly. So we had to, um, we had to keep that real clear and concise and make the most of our moments with her. Mm -hmm. And that was for me watching Dolly Parton say the words that I wrote for her yeah, was like, I, I left my body because <laughs> I was watching this. I was just like, this is Dolly Parton. She is saying the lines that I wrote for her. I cannot believe it. And then when I met her, she said, you know, it's a real good script. And I was like, Aww. oh my gosh, Dolly Parton just said, I was such a blathering, like, I, I, and my kids love you, and they're here, and we're going to come to the park, and, and I was like, oh, shut up, Nina. And I don't get starstruck, but yeah. I was, it was Dolly. I mean. Yeah, I would too, I was for like, sure. shut your mouth, you're talking too much. And then I was like, okay, so I'm going to go, so nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would be the idiot. same way. I, I love Dolly. I mean, it's 
Dolly Parton. <laughs> she's an icon. Yeah. And she walks out and she's this teeny little thing in these just shoes that I was like, oh, dear God, please don't fall. They're the highest <laughs> shoes I've ever seen. I wear a one inch heel and I'm like, somebody hold on to me, you know, and she's yeah. just like walking up the steps and I, I'm so worried for her. <laughs> these heels. She's amazing. Yeah, that's good to hear that she's as amazing as we all think, because the thing about she Dolly is, is she she's not just a singer. She is an incredible, incredible songwriter. And just, she's just, she's just confident in who she is and just an uh, incredible person. And what she's done for this community that, um, where she grew up, which was so poor and there were no jobs and she just came in and she gave these people a place to call their own, her family, all works there. She's just created thousands and thousands of jobs in this community that didn't otherwise have a shot. And she's really, she's just given so much back to, because she grew up really poor and she wanted to, she wanted to build up this town instead of running away from it. And she did, she left, went and made something of herself and she came back and she built this town up and she's just more than just a talent, she is just a philanthropist and such a good heart and yeah. that's a real that's, gift yeah, to, no doubt. to Tennessee. Yeah. Did, did you always have it that she wanted to be a, a children's book writer? Was that always part of the script? Yes. Was that added? That okay. was always part of it because we wanted to incorporate Imagination Library into the story. We really mm-hmm. wanted to incorporate that element because it's such an incredible thing um, that Dolly does. So we always wanted to, mm-hmm. to, she was always going to be a children's book cool. writer. Yeah, That's that was good. hard too, to try and bring that into the fold and to try and make that work as far as this is what she does and this is what she wants to do. And they were so polar opposite of each other that, finding a way to weave that in was also another challenge, but I think that we succeeded. So you got to go, they had a premiere for this one in New York city, right? Yeah. JC Penny bought uh, most of the ad time. So Mm JC Penny threw, uh, threw a screening and a party and um, it was really, really fun. And all the waiters were wearing JC Penny Christmas pajamas. It was very cute. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember mm-hmm. your tweet about seeing your, your name on the big screen, how surreal that was. That's yeah, cool. that's, uh, that's another thing where you just go, wow. And I kept saying to Danica, because we go work out together sometimes, and I kept uh-huh. saying to her, Danica, do not be surprised if this movie gets pushed. I don't know how we're going to make this happen, because there was the very tricky aspect of, you cannot do Christmas at Dollywood and not be at Dollywood when it's decorated for Christmas. Right. So it was like, can we shoot this in the summer in Dollywood and dress it and make it look like Christmas? Or do we wait? And and Hallmark was nervous that shooting the first week of November in Dollywood was cutting it a little close to our air date. Right. And so, but that they shut down that first week in November Dollywood closes for the week. They take down all of their Halloween haunts, harvesty decorations, and they decorate for Christmas in that week. So 
we were there the last two days of that week when everything was pretty much done. Uh-huh. And that Hallmark was initially a little bit nervous because it was cutting it really close, but we had 80% of the movie, probably 90% of the movie already shot. And just the two days of Dollywood sequence that we um, had to shoot in the park. So most of it was done and edited, just we were missing a few of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Is the, so that is, worked out, but I kept saying, oh, just don't be surprised if it gets pushed to next year. Yeah. I can't so, believe we pulled it off. I really can't. <laughs> yeah. So the light parade, I know that's a thing there that they do, uh, but did they do it special for the movie or was it the same basic light parade that they, that they always do? Or was that that whole sort of show? No, that, that's that their, it's, called the parade of many colors uh-huh. that is their actual parade they um they put it on for us because again the park was closed so we had um we had to recreate it they they gave us such free reign of the park they they made whatever we wanted available to us they were really really wonderful and they put the parade on and we shot it mm-hmm Okay. But that's so, their actual that's yeah. their actual parade of many colors that they do every night during Smoky Mountain Christmas. So they do the whole like the tree kind of lighting up and the the whole the whole um design so the of it. Tree lighting is this place called Glacier Ridge, which is like way up at the top of the mountain. Mm. And the parade is actually at the bottom on Show Street, but um Glacier Ridge is something that they opened last year with that giant LED Christmas tree. And it's so gorgeous. It's Mm -hmm. amazing at night. And we knew we really wanted to feature the tree. And I think we had one version where they created um, Glacier Ridge. We had one version where we were having them inventing Glacier Ridge. And that didn't work because I think the Dollywood people didn't want us to pretend to create something that already existed there. Mm-hmm. So we we didn't end up going that route, but we always knew we wanted to do something to feature Glacier Ridge because it's so stunning at night. Uh-huh. That's so cool. And that's where the tree is. Did it make you, yeah. did you feel like you got to really see the park or was it just working too hard? Uh, now you want to go no, back and I actually. Got to, no, we got to spend, so um, we finished shooting on Friday. And then Saturday was the first day um, the park opened for Smoky Mountain Christmas. So I brought my whole family. I brought my husband and my kids because, I mean, when else am I going to get to go to Dollywood? Like, yeah. this was such a treat. So we took them out of school for a few days and um, I brought them all. And then we spent all day Saturday in the park and the kids had an absolute blast. That's and so Danica cool. brought her son, Draco. So. The kid, or my kids and Draco are really good friends and they get mm-hmm. along and we see them a lot. So they had a blast being in Dollywood and going on all the rides with Draco and stuff. It was really fun. That's cool. Oh, we enjoyed the movie. Yeah, it was, we were it was happy cute. to be there when it was open. Yeah. yeah, it was cute. And, you know, Danica is just so delightful and Niall, they're just so sweet. And yeah. I thought it looked really beautiful and I was so pleased and dolly i mean it's yeah dolly and i know everybody's complaint was that there wasn't enough dolly and i was like hey, to the club i would have <laughs> yeah i would have loved more dolly she is so insanely busy that yeah. we, were, we weren't even sure at one point if we were going to have her at all 
Yeah. Like, oh, we have to have Dolly. Like, that was one of the times that I was like, it's going to get pushed. It's going to get pushed. We can't make Christmas at Dollywood and not have Dolly. You know, I was like, just be, just don't be surprised. And, you know, somehow yeah. it all worked out. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I it would have been the, the cherry on top of the Sunday if we'd heard been able to hear her sing. Uh, that would have been my first question is that can Dolly thing and they were like we do not have time yeah because you got to do all the studio recording and all the so yeah, I can understand she just that is so she because around the same time she had like her 50 years of the Opry and she was hosting the CMAs and she was I mean she had her heartstrings thing premiering and she was doing a ton of press for that so it was like just this trifle of yeah. stuff that she had going on at the right. same time we were like um can we have you too you know yeah so, so we, were, we were glad that we got her yeah yeah was, she was a delight I could totally understand that so uh so then you had double holiday and uh, as soon as they announced uh that they were going to make Hanukkah movie I think collectively all of us Hallmarkies fans were all like okay Nina has to write one of them for sure yeah and- <laughs> oh and you know who else said that me yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah I need to write one of these <laughs> yeah and there were three uh there were three Hanukkah movies one for Lifetime two on Hallmark and I I I think most people I know at least agree that that Double Holiday was the superior one. Uh, they all had oh, their, their they all had their. I didn't see the Lifetime one. Yeah, it wasn't the best. It had I, its I pluses. It. it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't see that. I watched Holiday Day, which I thought was really sweet. I think that Brittany Bristow is just adorable. Yeah. And um, and I thought it was a very sweet movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were getting so much flack in the press. Um, from people who hadn't even seen the movies yet, who were just all up in arms about it's it's a Christmas movie, it's a Christmas movie, and right. I was like, it it's Countdown to Christmas, yes, but I felt like our movie was weighted a little more towards Hanukkah, I think and so. it was about it was about a Christian guy who had to assimilate into these Hanukkah traditions. And one of the complaints people were saying was, I would love to see a Hanukkah movie that's not told through the lens of Christmas. And I was like, just watch it because that's what we did. That it was really about, about, you know, assimilating into Hanukkah as opposed to the opposite, which is what everybody was not wanting to see. So yeah, that's how I felt. A couple of, uh, we had, because, there was an op-ed that called it anti-Semitic, and we were like, what? Yeah. You haven't even seen it yet. Come on. And then the Anti-Defamation League weighed in, and they watched it, and they were like, what? There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah. <laughs> we like, That's interesting. Yeah. People. I know. That's how I – because I was going to ask you about that New York Times piece, because I, I, I felt like – There was a Washington Post one, too. And mm-hmm. the New York Times piece, the guy said he watched the movies, but nobody has any idea how he feels because at the time he wrote that holiday date wasn't even done yet. It hadn't delivered. Yeah. So how did he watch it? There's no way. Like we, the, the network didn't even have it yet. It was mm, very weird. But, that's that's but, fuzzy you know, then. It, it was fuzzy. And, yeah. and the, the Washington Post one too, she never says in this piece that she didn't watch them. So it was a little bit, it was Fake a little news. disheartening that they took off as if they were fact 
when you know I was saying just watch the movies and and yeah. judge for yourself after you've seen them because we took it so seriously and we this was something that like I knew I had a responsibility to do it right and I was honored that Hallmark entrusted me with it and it's not something that we ever would have let be offensive or or, or handle it in a way that could even remotely have an anti-Semitic trope in it. So it was a little disheartening, but I think that the response to it after people saw it was like, made me feel a lot better because I went, they get it. People got what we were going for and really appreciated and liked it a lot. Yeah, we did a whole episode. It actually aired uh, today. I was going to listen to it at the gym this morning and I could not get the internet at the gym to work while I was on the treadmill because I wanted to listen to it before I talked to you today. (laughs) Well, hopefully you get a chance to listen to it. We had uh, Stacey Agdern, who is an author, and she actually approached us. She's Jewish, and Uh uh, she approached us that uh, she wanted to talk about the three movies, and so we did, and she was very complimentary. she tweeted me. She did. She she tweeted me... um, I think during or after um, the movie aired and she was really supportive and lovely about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we both really enjoyed it. And I mean, really uh, you have the, them spending the majority of the time with her family. Like we don't even know, we, Mm -hmm. we know nothing about his family or his really his traditions, except for planning this work party. So I agree with you. I felt like this is definitely way more, Hanukkah base, especially when you're looking at a Hallmark movie where the female mm-hmm. is the lead character. And so the lead character is Jewish. It's her, her, her celebrations that are shown her family that is shown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think that, uh, especially after watching, I was just kind of like, what? And uh, cause the lifetime one, I can see that argument with because the whole premise of the lifetime one is they're giving each other lessons about each other's holiday, which seemed way more far fetched that like an average Jewish person doesn't know what a Christmas tree is and doesn't know what, I mean, come on, everybody knows that. And And that was something that I didn't, you know, as cause I'm Jewish and my husband isn't. And literally last week I picked out, we did Christmas here this year instead of going back east to his family. They all came out to visit us. And so I was doing Christmas and we went and got a tree. And I was like, I don't know. I, I have never picked out a Christmas tree before. I didn't know wh- how to do it. I was like, do you just, I also didn't know is a Christmas tree $29 or is it $30,000? Like I had no idea. Is it, is it $600 <laughs> yeah. or is it $30? I had no idea. And when we got there, I was like, wow, Christmas trees are kind of expensive. And, and where do you begin? And I was so glad we didn't bring the kids because they would have just been like, I want this one. No, I want this one. And <laughs> it's overwhelming. Yeah. I didn't know how to pick out a Christmas tree. <laughs> However, I know how to write a scene with somebody picking out a Christmas. I understand it. Right. Just because I'd never done it. And that's what I had Rebecca doing too. She's like, I don't know where to begin. Like, I don't even know which kind. How do you know which kind? Like, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, and 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 just now I do. (laughs) You can't live in, in, in American culture and not know what a Christmas tree is or like, no, I mean, mean, it's ridiculous. And 
I, you know, again, grew up Jewish. I've decorated Christmas trees with people over the years. Like I, it's not like we all have been living under a rock just because we're Jewish and we just sit there in front of a menorah and ignore (laughs) the rest of the world. But there, there is a little bit of, a little bit of a learning curve, but very, very small. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. well, again, I write a ton of Christmas movies, so right. I understand and Christmas. The The New York Times article also took Holiday Date to task for the fact he didn't know the words to deck the halls. And I, I was surprised they picked that as an example because deck the halls, the, the line that he got that he was supposed to know was, Don, we now are gay apparel. I feel like that's kind of a weird line. Like, who who would yeah. know that if it's not if like <laughs> if it was jingle bells yeah he probably has heard jingle bells uh, but not this I old english line a little, a little more reasonable would be if like because i go to church with my in-laws on christmas eve and yeah. i know the songs. yeah they have the words up and i'm like oh i didn't know this verse of silent night or i didn't know this verse of of hark the herald angels sing i mean there's certain like if they got to like more obscure songs or hymnal hymns or or um i feel like a lot of people were at church and it was the first time i'd ever heard the song mary did you know Uh the guy was singing it in church and i was like oh this is a pretty song but i'd never heard it before because it's not on the radio you know but i feel like a lot of even even christians who celebrate christmas don't know that line of duck the halls it's sort of a weird line yeah so i just thought it was a strange nitpicky point that they made because the character in holiday date knew what Christmas trees were. He was actually really excited. He's like, Oh, this is my chance, you know, to, to buy a Christmas tree. This is so exciting. And he gets this huge one. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like, come on. Like most, I feel like most adults know, know what a menorah is. Uh, but yeah. we might not know <laughs> like the prayer or the, you know, things like that. So uh, I, I think, uh, uh, I don't know. I, it was a weird, it was a weird article and I disagreed with it and we, we both did. And I thought you did a very good job. And I I think, so were you trying to show that in your mind, does Chris's character, is he always into her from, for a long time he's been into her, but he kind of wants to irritate her a little bit. Yeah. He likes to poke the bear. Yeah. And Chris Palaha, I mean, listen, what can I say about Chris Palaha? That hasn't already been said. <laughs> he is just dreamy as dreamboat, and he's so charming, and he's so funny. But he also has heart and depth too. And yeah. so his character was just yeah. He always he liked to try and get a rise out of her. He liked to try yeah. and I always saw him as a person who always wanted to try and get her to smile because she was so serious at work and he wanted to break down that wall and eventually he does, but she does the same for him, you know, in, in him embracing her traditions and, and having this celebration that he never got being, you know, the son of a single mom who had to work a lot. So this is something he's always wanted. And then when they see each other in a different light and also her seeing that, He's a mentor to this little kid. Yeah. Like, I mean, in that moment, did everybody just go, oh, yeah. he was so swoony in this movie. Kirby? And <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, listen, there's just, he's swoon-worthy. Like, if you read the phone book, you'd be swooning. But <laughs> he's so 
delightful in this movie and he's so sweet and he's just got this this depth in this heart that you think he's sort of this jokester and this he's not serious about anything and then you find out that wow this guy is is giving back and yeah. the reason that he's so passionate about this project and wants this promotion is because this is something that really means something to him that shaped his own life yeah and Chris plays that so beautifully. He plays all of those different levels so beautifully. And Carly, too. Like we were talking about how the two of them are so in between their lines. There's so much life to them. Yeah. And there's, you see some actors who are like, line, stop, line, stop. And the two of them, their performances are so full. There's so much going on even when they're not speaking yeah. and I thought the two of them together were so lovely they got along really well off camera they they had the best time filming we I was up there with them too in Ottawa and and again I know I said this about the other one but dream team yeah. <laughs> it was Joel Rice again and I love working with him and Muse and then Chris and Carly were just such a gift for this movie. I, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing those roles. They were so perfect. Yeah. She was a revelation in this. She was great. She needs to be in more homework movies. She was, she I was know. really good. I liked her a lot. And I loved, loved her. Yeah. I also loved and her, their also, boss, the, the lady who oh, played their uh, boss. Barbara, <laughs> oh, what is her name? Barbara Eve uh, Harris. She was so funny. She's so good. She's been working for like, she's got like, 150 credits she's been working for the last probably 30 years just non-stop yeah she is a workhorse i just liked how she was like terrified of children and yeah <laughs> i can totally relate to that i when wanted it, to give her some vulnerability because yeah. she was really harsh sure. and then it was like uh, oh let's give her some vulnerability in a moment where it's like oh where <laughs> rebecca could sign and rebecca yeah. could be like i've got you and you could see rebecca come into her power and then you could see jane wasn't so she had a vulnerable side yeah so. it just reminded me of when i was put over the nine-year-olds at uh my church and I was just like, uh -oh. <laughs> what on earth am I supposed to do with all these people? I have no idea. <laughs> Nine-year-olds are tricky. You, I was, just, uh, you yeah. can't just throw some Barbies at them in their house. No. Well, mine's now 10, but I, it, I had It was a, a terrifying moment of my life. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was rough. And they so need I, to be entertained. Yeah, they do. And they yeah. remember everything. Like if I had said, yeah. oh, I'm going to bring a treat or something like the week before, and you think, oh, they won't remember. No, they remember Where's everything you say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that made me oh, laugh. trust me. They do in my house too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, uh, I, I laughed. Uh, the funny uh, part is that nobody should ever be drinking hot cocoa while ice skating. <laughs> that, that part made me laugh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there's some very talented skaters <laughs> in there. That, I didn't even realize when I wrote it that like the boots were going to actually be on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any say in that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, they're working at these different boots, but I guess there was nowhere else to put them in this ice rink. So. Yeah, that was funny to me. But, I liked you know, it. sometimes it's about like 
how it looks visually, you know, as opposed to it might not be the most practical, but it looks good. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I enjoyed it. And I don't know. I just really liked their chemistry. And I really liked like when he Thank brings you. out, when he has memorized the prayer, that mm-hmm. was a swoon worthy moment. <laughs> really yeah. We wanted that progression. We really wanted that progression where the first night, which we actually ended up cutting the first the very first prayer because act one was long. Uh-huh. So we cut the first prayer and you don't see it again until act two. You don't see him saying the prayer and he's brought his cheat sheet. The first night he's just kind of watching them. Like, I don't know what to say. And then he brings his cheat sheet and then he's got it memorized the next time you see it. So we really wanted to show that progression that he's listening. He's paying attention. He's yeah. embracing this and he's, he's doing what's important to her he's engaging in something that's really important to her and that was just and again chris was so cute about it he'd come up to me on set he'd go practice the prayer with me let's practice sing it with me Aww. so he would sit there and, and we'd practice the prayer he was so he loved getting he loved learning about it he'd text me at night and he'd be like why what's the difference between C-H Hanukkah and H Hanukkah. And I'd be like, well, let me Google that because I don't even have the answer for you. That's funny. He got really into it. He, yeah. he, was, really, um, he was really excited about doing this movie because I think we all felt like we're making something a little different and this yeah. is special. It was really good. How did you get the whole idea of Fancy Suit Guy? So when I worked in an office years ago, my, I always called him my work husband, Zach. Um, we, we didn't share a cubicle, but he was like the cubicle right next to me. And we'd always talk and we always had like people in the building that we had crushes on and we would, um, we would just give them names. Like, like there was one, I can't remember, um, I can't remember what the, what the nickname was that we gave the one guy, but there was a guy who had a crush on me in the building. And every time we'd go down to Starbucks, there was a Starbucks in our building, uh-huh. go down to Starbucks and, and Zach had a name for me. It was like, uh Oh, like, like scary guy or something. It was yeah. something like that. Cause he was always staring at me. Yeah. And, um, we all, we just always had nicknames for people or he's like, uh, he went, went on a couple of dates with this girl and he would come in and be like, oh, I went on another date with low self-esteem girl last night. Like <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had nicknames for everybody. So Fancy Suit Guy was was a little bit of a callback to to the old days of, of me and my friend Zach and all of our shenanigans working in an office. <laughs> that was really funny. And I think it really worked because it just showed her vulnerable side from the very beginning. And especially once he kind of figured that out, that he's like, Oh, fancy. How do you feel about fancy suit guy and all that? Like, it was just, I liked that a lot. It really helped add to her character, I think. Mm-hmm. And plus, there's well, nothing I, better I, than Paloha being jealous. That was great. Right. Oh, gosh. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it's if, really good. If you got Paloha pining after you, yeah. and, you know, come on. Like, what's better than that in this it world? It was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. It was really good writing there, I think, because it just oh, helped, thank her, you. helped her character just feel more like a, a fully fleshed out character. Well, that was something that I felt like I hadn't really done before as far as, you know, again, when you try to make these things fresh, then it's like, who are these people? What's their point of view? What do they want? And I don't, I felt like I hadn't ever written a character that 
couldn't quite be herself and every time she really wanted something and she opened her mouth the wrong thing would come out or yeah. she just couldn't she couldn't be herself and then she through this guy who was just so unapologetically himself you know realizes that she's enough and right. and so i that was something that i hadn't done in any other movies yet and so i liked I like trying to find a fresh perspective and a new yeah. point of view because it's the only way to distinguish these movies and, and to make them really different when you're against the backdrop of Christmas. Yeah. And this one Hanukkah helped, but. Well, I think, I mean, and we haven't even talked about flip that romance that you had this year. So you've had a banner year. Uh, and yes. uh, so congratulations. Uh, I thank you. I've, liked all of your movies this year and uh, I uh, I just that's an incredible accomplishment not many people can say they wrote four movies that were aired in one year so that's pretty I'm, incredible again so <laughs> thankful I'm so thankful to Hallmark to um for this opportunity that yeah. I get to do this and that I get now 21 movies on the air it's Amazing. really it's it's really awesome and uh you know I have a friend who writes features and makes way more money than I do writing features. But finally, after doing it for 10 years, finally got his first movie made. Like they just don't, they don't get made. They go into yeah. what they call development hell and it sits there. And then maybe 10 years later, they pick it back up or somebody reoptions it or whatever. But he makes a lot of money writing, but you want to, you want to get a movie made. And Hallmark gives us that opportunity. Yeah. Sometimes four times in a year. So That's it's incredible. really... I'm really thankful to them for this. And I have eight in various stages of development right now. So hopefully I'll have more made next year. I'm sure you will. We'll see. You, know, you, we'll just look don't, to you just it. don't ever know. Yeah. Well, we were talking to Julie have about to be that. ready at the right time. Because, and... you know, last year she didn't have one that got released. But then this year she had three Christmas movies for Julie. Right. And so, yeah, it can be cyclical and things. But, uh, but yeah congratulations uh and thank you so much for uh always being so supportive of the podcast and for coming on five oh, times I'm so happy to <laughs> always 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 <laughs> i'm always happy to talk to you and i thank you guys for your support of me and my career and my work it's really it's really sweet and it makes me feel really good you guys always post such nice things about me and i'm so used to as a writer nobody cares about the writers and you guys are so kind <laughs> and i'm like oh <laughs> well, we I definitely care about that i get a little weepy eyed <laughs> <laughs> well uh, we love you and uh, we're so glad that uh you had a great holiday season and if people want to follow you on social media and all that fun stuff where can they do that so on instagram i'm nina weinman swift and on Twitter, I'm N-I-B-E-W-E, which are the first two letters of Nina Beth Weinman. <laughs> so everybody's like, what does that mean, me boy? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's just Nina Beth Weinman, N-I-B-E-W-E. Yeah. yeah, like it does the job. <laughs> yeah. Very good. When I first started my Twitter handle, I couldn't get my initials. So I was like, all right, let's just do two letters then. <laughs> yeah, very That's good. That's how it happened. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. Well, we'll have that all in the description will, section so people can follow you. 
and uh, we'll look forward to it. I we'll will have check to... the mail for my um, set of steak knives. I will keep yeah. an eye out for my five-timer steak knives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be, you get your, um, what is it, the, uh, yeah. the Jinsu knives that can cut through the shoes? <laughs> that will <laughs> work. That okay. will be great. I didn't come on here five times for nothing. (laughs) Well, thanks again and have a very happy new year and we will be in touch for for interview number six. It'll happen. (laughs) All right. I'm hoping that there's a lot to talk about next year. Yes, I'm sure there will be. So, all right. Well, very great. And thanks so much. And yeah, if you, uh, you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of your social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. And make sure you're following the podcast all over, uh, all over social media, Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We sure appreciate that as well. We have our patron group, which is really fun. So you can check that out. We have exclusives and giveaways. And then we also have our merch store. So make sure to check that out. And uh, thanks again, Nina. It's always so much fun to get to talk to you. So I I really appreciate it. And a happy new year. (laughs) 